Hey, welcome to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. Leaving a financial legacy isn't something that happens by accident. It takes planning. We've put together a guide with seven steps to leave a financial legacy and have made it available for free on our website. This guide covers designing your legacy, estate planning, financial education, and protecting your legacy. The link to download seven steps to leave a financial legacy is listed in the episode description, or you can go to wiserinvestor.com, scroll to the bottom and find it there. Now on to today's episode. Welcome to Arise Your Retirement Podcast, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith. I'm joined today with Jordan Sudi uh, from Sudi CPA. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Casey. So, Jordan, um, our regular listeners will know that you are a regular guest on our podcast. Probably I should just call you a uh, co-host at this point. And you think so? <laughs> I'm thinking about adding friend of the pod to my Instagram bio. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I at least have that. <laughs> um, or at least your LinkedIn bio, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, where everything gets exaggerated. Exactly. <laughs> then maybe I could put co-host on there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <gasps> yeah. Um, all right. So today we're going to talk about the cost of inheriting wealth, um, estate tax and opportunities to avoid it. So I don't want to lose everybody when I say um, we're going to run through an example of a married couple that passes away with $44 million in assets. And what do we do? Because probably a lot of listeners don't have $44 million of net worth, but you need to listen closely because right now, if you were to pass away, you have an exclusion of around 12 million, I believe, uh, per person which means you have to have a net worth of over $24 million before the death tax or inheritance tax were to kick in. But in 2026, this all resets back to 5 million per person. Could get extended. Uh, This is something we fight every five or six years. It seems like as planners is, you know, we get down to the 12th hour and what do we do? Um, So anyway, pay, Pay close attention and listen to some of the strategies because uh, you may wake up in 2027 and all of a sudden uh, have a, have a state issues. Uh, all right, so let's get started with our example. So we have uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jones. They've uh, worked, uh, built a business, liquidated everything. Uh, doesn't matter if they did or not. Point is, is that they're worth about $44 million in assets. So Jordan, if they, if they, didn't do anything prior because there's not much you can do after you've died. Right. And there's honestly not much you can do after you've amassed the wealth too. That's another thing. That, that is, that is very true. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I have this idea in mind of a series we would do for business owners because there's so much you got to do before you sell the business Right. versus the 12th hour prior to closing. And you're like, hey, I got this all this money. How do I not pay all this tax? Well, you had right. to structure things differently <laughs> be- well before the closing, years before right. the closing right. <laughs> to, to, to actually help you there. Um, but let's stick to this example today. So $44 million. Uh, what do I do, Jordan? I'm inheriting $44 million from my parents. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay a lot, of, uh, a lot of tax at this point, right? So yes, you are, especially if they, if, unfortunately, if they both go at the same time, then yeah, that's a big problem. But let's say maybe one, one parent passes first, um, always, leaving always, another parent. It's always the man that passes first because okay. we, we do stupid stuff. Yes. Dad is, dad has left us and mom is still here. 
So what's going on? What's happening? Luckily for you as the inheritor, nothing quite yet. I mean, you're not getting any cash or, or, or assets from their estate quite yet, but there's no tax implications if we do things correctly. So what I would do is if the, if the dad passes, he's going to pass every single asset over to mom because you have unlimited spousal transfers. And then what we're going to do is we're going to elect portability on his state tax return. And what that means is that he has 12 million to use as his estate tax exemption. We're essentially going to claim that his estate is worth zero and we're going to pass all 12 over to mom. So it's just a tax deferral tax technique. Taxes are still coming, but we're just going to defer. That's the name of the game for us as preparers. We always just want to keep pushing it until we absolutely have to pay it. So by electing portability, passing all the assets over to mom, we're just deferring this tax that's going to come due at some point um, and giving her the ability to escape not just only $12 million of estate tax, but now $24 million. So that's right. step one. And I think that's a big step because there are deadlines that have to be met with respect to electing portability. And I think right now, especially for us, we don't have a ton of clients that are worth $44 million, but we do have clients that are worth $8, $10 million, $12 million. And this conversation, like we said, will be really relevant in 2026 when that estate tax, if it comes back down to $5 million a person. And so normally what you would have to do is you have to file an estate tax return within nine months of death. You can get an extension of six months on top of that. But with the portability election, they just recently came out that says you now have five years from the date of death to elect portability. So there's a lot of administrative work going in with counting assets, you know, probate, all of all the nine yards. So that's really helpful for us as preparers to know, hey, do we need to elect this portability election? Because if you miss it, you lose it. And then you're out of luck. So that's a big, big step that has to be met for anybody. On the estate planning side, we used to create uh, revocable living trust. I would have trust A and trust B. And then you, when one person died, you would keep half the money over here and trust B. And then um, trust A would hold the rest. And maybe there was a C trust that held all the all the above the twelve million dollar each. We don't have to do that anymore. Those those right. trusts are are uh, kind of um, out of style at this point because exactly what you just said. But the portability, um, the government is giving that to you whether you have if you have a will or not. <laughs> it doesn't right. matter. So you, right. you automatically get that um, without having to do any, any fancy legal work on, on, uh, uh, prior, prior to death. So right. that's, that's good. Cause it makes it, makes it, uh, easier on, on everybody. Right. Yeah. And another thing, I mean, once you're hitting 44 million, easiest thing that you can do is you can start spending it and you can start giving it away, whether that's to a charity or whether that's to kids, friends, family members, whoever you want. Um, each individual can give away up to $16,000 a year, 32 for a married couple to, to you, to me. And it escapes, it, it leaves their estate and they don't have to pay gift tax on it as well. Yeah. Probably charitable makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, if you're, but you can get, you're not subject to 32,000 for uh, charitable. You, you can get right, right, right. as much as you want to a, to a charity, maybe a donor advised fund or at 44 million, probably your own, your own foundation. But um, ultimately, if you're at $44 million, you're probably making $32,000 a day. Right. <laughs> so it, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to defer that. Um, right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, structure uh, like through trusts. 
what can we do through trust prior to let's say let's go let's turn back the clock let's let's uh um let's go back you know three or four years prior to our mr and mrs jones and joseph's passing away what what could we structure there right so a lot of flexibility with trust many different kinds of trust that you can use based on your needs your wants your cash flow um one that i was reading about recently the islet so the the life insurance trust is what it really is. Um, it's a way that you you fund this trust with a, a you put a life insurance policy inside this trust, and I'm sure there are obviously legal rules that are going to be in place with what can be done with the the proceeds of that. Because if you still have full access to deciding where it goes, when it goes, and it hasn't really left your estate, but what we want is to put this life insurance trust outside of your estate. We're going to fund it every year with gifts into that trust. And then when one of the spouse passes, instead of adding $10 million in cash to your estate, um, instead, it's going to be in this trust with rules, of course, on, on how it can be used. But at least, hey, we're not adding $10 million on top of our already quite large estate of $44 million. So yeah. I think that's a, a really good one. And I've also been reading about how you can buy life insurance policies with the sole purpose of not burdening your, your heirs with estate tax, you know? Hey, my state tax, we've done everything we can, but we're still going to owe. Why don't we just buy this policy um, and it'll cover everything that we have to pay. That way the kids don't have to worry about it. The grandkids don't have to worry about it. And we still get to pass down everything. Kind of from break. You know, what, what gets included in estate tax? Because you know, from a probate standpoint, I always tell people oh, IRAs don't go through probate. It's separate. Probate and taxes have nothing to do with each other. Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Everything is in your estate, even your taxed assets. So your Roth IRA. Yeah. Your heirs don't have to pay income tax on that, but they could have to pay estate tax on the value of that. So, I mean, we're thinking everything, everything you own minus everything you owe. So whatever's left at the end of the day, after you paid all your creditors, every dollar is going to be included in your estate. And I think it's important to note that the exemption Yes, you're free and clear that first 12 million, the tax starts to come into play for every dollar above that threshold. So let's say it's 2026 and we've gone back down to 5 million a person um, and we have a single person who passes and their estate was worth 7 million. We have 2 million there that's going to be subject to estate tax and the rates rise pretty quickly. So yeah. um, it's not your whole estate, but it is definitely the value above that threshold that you've got to worry about. Yeah, that's an important point. I think people, most people think, oh, well, the whole state's going to get taxed at, at 40 percent. And um, it's not quite it's not quite that uh, that bad. I think you'd have right. to get above what a million dollars and over, over the exclusion before you hit the 40 percent mark. Right. But it's yes. only on the part that goes over, not the part that's yes. under. Yeah. So right now, in our example, we have twenty four million dollar exclusion. Um, so really the state was worth 44 million. So it's $20 million that get, it gets taxed yep. still at a hefty rate. 40% of $20 million is that's a heck of a lot of money, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what's yeah. really sad is, uh, you know, you think inheritance, a lot of people just default to cash and stocks, but what if it's a farm? What if it's this huge farm out West and, uh, that's a low margin business, right? And so that's where families get hit hard. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's, it is so high. Um, is, is to protect, you know, landowners, uh, right. essentially. Um, you don't want to be selling your livelihood in order to pay the tax. And then, then what does your family do? Right. 
You know, um, something that we see quite often in businesses is uh, family limited partnerships where you're basically you're giving you're, you're passing equity to family members and you get the whole thing. Your, your whole business gets evaluated. It's not it's not worth as much as a whole if it's divided up in fractions like right. in all of my company. But if my kids own 25 and 25 own 50, um, that 25% is not worth as much, right? That's a, right. that's a technique to lower the value of, of something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've seen that done with real estate. So you have rental mm -hmm. properties, um, you put that into an LLC, create a family owner partnership through that, and then the properties aren't worth as much. So th that is a technique. I, I don't know, you know, you, you may not know this, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but um, I, I believe that family owner partners have come under fire with the IRS. I don't know that you know, because I think there can be a lot of cheating yes. <laughs> through that process. Right. So I know that it, you, you do it. You got to make sure you're doing it um, in, in the best, with, with the best of intentions, for sure. Right. And I, that's another kind of point on the list of, okay, your estate's worth $44 million, What are you going to do now? I think, I mean, before you call your CPA, you absolutely have to get an attorney on your on your side and one that's competent and can help you set up these these vehicles and do it properly so that there's no ambiguity on, on what's going on. Um, just so that if the IRS ever did call into question, Hey, did you still have control over, you know, this or that it's very clear and you are you're not worrying about it and putting it on your ears after, after you're gone. So yeah, step one, Absolutely. competent team on your side. Yeah. The, the, the estate portion of this is a whole nother podcast. Uh, and that's probably yeah. what we should, we should do because, on, on the estate side, it can get very creative and very complex, very, very quickly on the, on the legal, legal right. side, but not so much a tax side. Right. Uh, well, that's complicated too, but you know about that. <laughs> yeah. And we're just putting into place, you know, we're just kind of reporting what the attorneys have done, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we can work in conjunction and give them advice on, on tax appropriate vehicles, but they're the ones that are really putting in the groundwork and, and making sure that you're, you're going to be safe in the long run. So let's, um, Let's add this to the conversation. So there's inheritance tax, but there's also gift tax. Right. Those are two very different things, but yet people, people get them confused all the time. So let's talk about gift tax because I think people also kind of forget about this as well. You're paying, you pay gift tax on gifts that you give that are above that 32 or 16 to a person, not a, not a charity. We're talking to individuals to trust. But when you roll over that threshold of 32000 for a married couple, that starts to eat into your estate tax exclusion. So somebody could die and they could already have their estate tax exclusion has, has come down a bit because they've used it up in their lifetime with these gifts. But that's also a really effective method to save in the long run because if you're funding trusts, if you're funding, if you're giving gifts to kids, you know, getting rid of cash, it's taking it out of your estate. And instead, it's putting in, in these other places. Over the $16,000 mark. Yes, over $16,000. Yeah. What, what form is that that you file when you do that? What form number is that? Do you remember? 709. So 709 is your 709. gift tax. Okay. And then 706 is your estate tax. Okay. So let, let's just forget that um, the exclusion is is uh, $12 million each. Um Let's, let's just say that I'm worth $8 million. It's, it's Christmas of 
2025, mm-hmm. about to roll into 2026, government's going to allow the exclusion to drop to $5 million. I could gift $2 million in December of 2025, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. then I could take that off my exclusion right. of, at the time of $12 million, and no one's going to pay tax on that. Right. Yes, correct. I just got to file the form with with tax return. Yes. And that's the good thing about the inheritance is that for federal tax purposes, we as recipients are never going to pay tax on it unless it's an IRA that hasn't been taxed before. Assets that have never faced income tax, they will still face income tax. But um, we're not paying a state tax inheritance tax unless you live in a particular state that we can get to in a little bit. Um, We're not going to pay inheritance tax on what we receive. Yes. That's a question we get a lot from from clients. Um, hey, my mom passed and I got three hundred thousand dollars cash. You know what what's happening? We're like nothing. You know, as long as there's no estate. You know, tr- well, laws as long as they were smart and didn't buy annuities. Don't get me started. Uh, annuity, annuity. You have an annuity and you inherit an annuity that the the gains in that annuity are going to be taxed at regular income rates. It's the worst deal ever. Um, yeah. Why people buy annuities, I don't understand, but. All right. So the again, we can gift over sixteen thousand. We just have to file the form yep. with our tax return. Now, what happens if I forgot to file the form? So uh, three years ago, I should have done it. Can can I go back and do that, or is there just a hard deadline with that? There's not a hard deadline. I mean, the IRS just wants to know about it because I mean, there's no tax that's immediately due here. Yeah. So um, I mean, we file gift tax returns even past the deadline. If you know someone says, "Oh, hey, wait, I, I did this last year. I forgot to file a return." They're purely informational. Um, there might be a small penalty associated with large amounts, but for the most part, I mean, we, we do them past deadlines, just depending, making sure that we're furnishing all the information to the IRS that, that they want. That makes sense. Um, I think another point that we should touch on that I was thinking about earlier is that when a state tax is imposed, you know, say you have 44 million of assets like we've been talking about, and you pay a state tax. All of the assets that you had in your estate that you passed down to your heirs are now free and clear of, of income tax and estate tax, and they get what's called a step up in basis. So this doesn't matter for cash, but for securities, for property, you know, if they had a house on, I don't know, in Charleston that they bought for 150k and now it's 10 million, because it was included in their estate, you now as the heir you receive it and your basis is 10 million. So then if you go sell it the next year for 11 million. You're only paying gain on on one million as opposed to yep. the big spread, and that's also true even if your estate is not taxable. You know, if if your grandmother passes and she was worth five million, she had a beach house that had appreciated two million dollars. Even if she doesn't pay estate tax because she's underneath that threshold, her estate is considered to be settled. Everything gets set, stepped up to fair market value on the date of the death. So I think that's a really big, important point that sometimes people don't realize is that they get the big step up, even if no estate tax is imposed on the state. That's a great opportunity to, to, to then take those assets and, and, and re, rework them to whatever your personal goals are. A lot, right, of, people, yeah. a lot of people will miss that um, because they... You know, sometimes they're they're busy grieving, or they only oh, they left me this. I just want to go liquidate it. It feels kind of greedy, um, right. but actually, it's 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 a great opportunity to you know get off of their vehicle onto your vehicle and right, and, absolutely, uh, and use that eliminate debt, do do things with it that uh, that makes sense for you long term. 
Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the generation uh, skipping tax, which is, this one's always been a little confusing to me. But basically, if I had grandchildren and I was giving money to my grandchildren, there there's a limit as to what I can pass down and skip a whole generation. Right. Because the IRS is, is considering the fact that it's now leaving your estate and it's passing the next estate that it could possibly be subject to tax to, which is their parents. So they don't like that. They don't like to see gifts, large gifts pass over two generations. So there yeah. can be an additional layer of tax that comes into play in reporting on the form 709, the gift tax return. There's a whole section for GSST, you know, where we report certain gifts to skip people as we call them. Um, yeah. And those are grandchildren, people that, somehow are getting a gift and it's escaping a, a generational layer of tax. So I mean, now the people that are paying estate tax right now is very small. It's, it's right. actually fewer than 0.1%. Um, actually, <laughs> it's 0.1% of estates actually file a return right now wow. because the exclusion is so high. And then 0.04% end up paying the tax. So the amount of people paying estate tax is so small, but it still amounted to $9.3 billion in revenue wow. for the government. So it's obviously, um, that's a lot of money. And imagine, you, you can see the, politically, you see the, the battle now, right? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> if that came down, it'd be in the trillions. Right. Easily of, of uh, death tax. And I'm sure, it, I mean, you whatever percentage you said that was so tiny, the amount that probably sh should be paying, it's probably a little bit higher than that, but because of effective teams in place, attorneys that are able to help them structure things properly, yeah. they're, they're able to, and it's really just a deferral technique or deferral method. You know, they're not necessarily escaping the tax completely. They're just deferring it to the next generation somehow, some way. Right. And, and by doing so, moving it out of their estate, pushing it further forward. Well, so we, very few people are paying federal um estate tax but there's a lot of people paying state estate tax yeah it's and we don't think about that so much in georgia but like washington state yeah washington state you pass away at least 10 percent, right is going to go away right yes because i mean you're not paying income tax throughout your your years alive but their threshold for for estate tax is super low it's like a million dollars you know once you're worth a million um that's when it comes into play and so yeah, you could you could think, hey, I'm free and clear. I'm worth three million dollars. The federal you know, IRS doesn't want anything, but your your state right. could come in and 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 want some of that money as well. Another reason to move from Washington State, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, beautiful place, though. Yeah. Um, okay, and then we, yeah, you mentioned Maryland. Georgia doesn't have one. Uh, I don't think Florida has one either. I don't think so. There's only like eleven states that have a state tax. So. Um, and I know Maryland is, is one where they kick in both inheritance and estate tax, which that's a double whammy. And that's really the only place where you're going to pay tax. Right. Yeah. On your inheritance. Yes. You, like we said earlier, you might be paying income tax on annuities, IRAs. Um, but in Maryland, you're also going to be paying tax on the value of the state yeah, that it, you receive. I don't know why anybody lives in New York. Um, yeah. You die in New York, you're going to, you know, you're going to pay above 6.1 million in, in assets. You're, you're paying nearly 16%, which is crazy. You live in New York, you pay, die in New York, you pay. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you have, a lot of times you have local tax plus the state tax, yes. federal tax. Lose, um, lose. Yeah. It's crazy. 
So, yeah, I, I think ultimately, though, um, when we think about all this, it can get, it can get really complicated. Yeah. But, you know, we have to go kind of back to the very, the very basics here. Um, if you have a net worth less than five million, you, you, sh you should be fine uh, per person. So that's 10 million as a couple. Uh, above 10 million, I'd probably still be looking at ways to make sure you're passing on assets tax efficiently because you just never know when the pendulum is going to swing and there's going to be um, the death exclusion drops so much, right? right. Uh, and then pay attention to what state you live in. If you're not really glued to that state, maybe you, all your kids have already moved out, might, might make sense to move out of that state to be uh, in a state that you don't have to pay the death tax, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there should be kind of like a how-to guide. You know, you, you're worth $5 million, Here's some things. But, and you see it, you know, you see things on the upward trajectory. Here's some things to start doing. You know, oh, now you've hit 10. Yeah. Here's some other things to start. Because like we said earlier, once you hit the threshold, it's too late. You can't get things out. Um, without eating into that exclusion. So you definitely got to be putting in the, the groundwork right. in the early days to have it pay off. In the and also considering a uh, donor advised fund where you can put uh, money you, you want to give charity into that fund. It does, it, it can sit there and stocks and bonds and, and, and grow and you can give off the income or the dividends yeah. or the gains, whatever. Uh, but that's another opportunity too to lower, to lower estate. Um, 529 plans even. You, know, you can't yeah. super fund those, but you can... You can certainly put quite a bit in to make sure um, that your legacy is being passed forward on, on the importance of education. Right. Yeah. And even better with the donor advice fund, when you can fund it with depreciated stock, I mean, stock that costs yeah. you nothing that's now worth you know, crazy amounts. Um, you fund that into the donor advice fund, you escape capital gains, and then you're going to get the uh, charitable deduction at the at probably a pretty high tax rate too if you're if you're funding it when you're when you're still living. All right. Well, we're have to do a part two uh, on this with with uh, our one of our attorney partners to talk about all the complicated trusts. But um, for for today, I think this covers it. Jordan, thank you so much for doing this with me. Yeah, of course, of course. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss any new episodes. We would also appreciate if you could leave a rating and review. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed today, head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore.